Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. We're ending our series on relationships, and as we start today, I want to ask you one question before we get into the message. Do you think that angels and demons exist in our world? Do you think that angels and demons exist in our world? Someone look at your neighbor and say, Ooga Booga. Ooga Booga. Today we're talking about the spirit world. The spirit world. And I wanted to start off by sharing a story with you guys. Do y'all like stories? (laughs) Someone said no. (laughs) I'm going to share a story with you guys. As we go into this message talking about angels, demons, might even touch on ghosts a little bit. When, when it was the process of, of me giving my life to Christ, a lot of people uh, know that my story is I started reading the Bible for the first time on my own and I realized who Jesus was and I, I, never, I just read about him and I never knew that he was a real person. I never understood the cross. When I just read the Bible, it changed my life. I gave my life to Christ. What a lot of people don't know is why I started reading the Bible. What had happened was, in my life before Christ, I started having a lot of demonic oppression. I started seeing these demonic faces when I was uh, going to sleep at night. And I was starting to freak out. I started thinking that I was having, uh, developing schizophrenia. I was really starting to, to get nervous. And, and me, as, as a young person at the time, I thought I was a young thug. And so I'd, I'd go jump people. I'd, I'd do all kinds of stuff. I stole all the time. I was about to get affiliated with gangs. And it got to a point where I was literally afraid of the dark. I'd lay down at, at night, and when I'd close my eyes on some nights, I'd start hearing screaming in my ear. just like blood-curdling screams in my ear. And I started to get terrified of, of the dark. I started getting terrified of the night. I remember there'd be my senior year of school. I'd literally be in class thinking about, man, tonight I'm going to have to go to bed. And I started getting afraid and, and, and anxious and worried. I'm like, man, how am I going to make it tonight? I could, I could barely make it through last night. And I was so scared of what was going to happen that night, not knowing what kind of demonic ooga stuff was going to go on. And a relative of mine, I, I told my sister what was going on. I was freaking out. And, and she was like, well, she's real super spiritual. She said, well, why don't, you, why don't you try leaving the Bible open to Psalm 23? And it, it's supposed to keep demons away. And I was like, shoot, I'll try anything. And... I found this old King James Bible. I don't even know how it got into my possession. It was in a, a box of stuff that my mom had sent to me, and she doesn't even remember putting this Bible in there. And I opened up this Bible. I didn't even know there's different books in the Bible. When she said open to Psalm 23, I didn't know what that meant. And I thought it was Psalm 23. I didn't know what was going on. And the bookmark just so happened to be on Psalm 23. And the first verses I've ever read in, in a Bible were, though I walk through the valley of shadow and death, I will fear no evil. And that, just that, that beginning verse just was like, man, that's exactly what I feel like right now. And 
I just really identified with, with the heart and with the emotions at the time. And I started reading Psalm 23, and then I started reading the next Psalm, and I started reading, just continuing reading Psalms page after page. And that night, I fell in love with the Word of God. And it gave me some type of peace, even a courage, to where that night I, I stopped having these ooga booga moments. And that is why I started find, searching for God in my life. Because not only was I was uh, running out of my rope in the other parts of my life, but I felt like I was also being attacked. Now let me share one, one more story. Is that okay? Because I told you all about the before. Of course the devil's going to attack me before. I have no protection. I don't have Jesus, right? Well, there is a period right before I married my wife when, when we already knew that we were going to get married, we were dating. She was living in San Antonio. I was living in Del Rio. And in this story, it was a real ooga-booga moment for me. I, had woke, I woke up in the middle of the night at the house that, that I was renting. And I, it was real, real late in the night, like, I don't know, like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I, I woke up for a moment. And I remember... Laying in bed and being competent and cognitive of, of my surroundings in the room. Started having a couple thoughts. And all of a sudden I just heard this, this like clacking sound. And the, the, the way my bedroom was, I was laying in the bed and right across from me like eyesight was the restroom. And I just heard like a clacking sound like clack. I thought, what in the world? And I heard it again, clack. Clack. And it started sounding like that clacking was getting closer. And I immediately felt fear. But I started telling myself, that's probably just the toilet. Right? Don't you ever blame inanimate objects for weird noises you hear in the night? It only makes sense that the toilet would be making that noise. And it started getting louder. Clack. 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 And all of a sudden, I felt my whole body shift. I felt like something literally put it, its hand on my face and pushed my neck to the side. And all of a sudden, I couldn't move my entire body. I couldn't even open my eyes. I could barely breathe. And I started seeing this like greenish light for the, for the squint I was able to make. And I was trying for the life of me to say the name of Jesus but I couldn't talk. And I was there struggling for a minute. I started sweating, trying to move. And it got to the point where I literally felt, and I know this sounds crazy, okay? I literally felt my body start to levitate off of the bed. At that point, I really started getting freaked out. And I could barely muster the words, and I finally said, Jesus! I could barely breathe it out. And all of a sudden I dropped, everything left, I was able to move, speak, and man, did I start to pray. <laughs> I woke up my roommates because I was yelling my prayers out. I prayed for an hour that night, yelling and screaming and praying. And see, it was the first time after I gave my life to Christ that I had 
this ooga booga moment again. The same thing that brought me to Christ all of a sudden was attacking me now that I was in Christ. And with these stories as our preface, we're talking about the spirit world. I know that these stories sound like, oh, that's just a scientific uh, anomaly. That was just sleep paralysis. You just were half asleep, half awake. I was fully awake and I was terrified. (laughs) But what we're going to talk about today, I'm completely, I just want to, I just want to project to you guys that I understand if some of this stuff might seem a little far out to you. And with what we talk about today, I want you to just eat the meat and spit out the bones. And the, the idea of believing in, in a spiritual world implies that there are spiritual beings. Think about that for a second. If we believe that there's a spiritual world, if we believe there's a heaven, if we believe there's a hell, and we believe that that is a spiritual eternity. And that means that in order to inhabit spiritual worlds, that we, there are spiritual beings. The Bible talks in depth about spirits. It talks in depth about angels. It talks about demons. It talks about the spiritual world that we cannot see. And even in the New Testament, there's two kinds of religious leaders at the time. There's the Pharisees. And there's the Sadducees. The, the main difference that we know of their belief systems that were contrary to each other is that the Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. They believed in angels and demons. And the Sadducees, they were more like your basic, like they, they believed in God, but they didn't believe in spiritual stuff. They didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in angels or demons. They're like, that's all just weird mumbo jumbo It's just, this is it. This is the world. This is heaven. This is hell. There's nothing afterwards. And so we're more inclined as Christians to believe that there is an eternity. I mean, that's why Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead was to save us for eternity, for our spiritual forevers. And so the way that you can remember the difference between a Pharisee and a Sadducee is that the Sadducees are sad, you see, because they don't believe in eternity. <laughs> All right? yeah, it's a little, uh, little trick to help you remember. They're sad, you see. They don't believe in eternity. Let me read you a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 40 through 44. This is Paul talking. He says, There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars have, each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised and strength. They are buried in natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. A couple of verses before this, Paul says, you foolish Corinthians, don't, who put a hex on you? He says, don't, doesn't it make sense that the same way you put a seed 
in the ground and it dies, it gives birth to a plant. It gives birth to something more glorious. And he says, in the same way, our bodies are planted in the ground and we give birth to spiritual bodies that are even more glorious. And then he goes on with these verses. See, in, in our world, we only see glimpses of the spiritual world and it, it surpasses our physical limitations and it surpasses our understandings. Even the idea of ghosts. Anyone here believe in ghosts? Anyone here not afraid of no ghosts? You're ghostbuster. I'm not afraid of no ghosts. You know, I told you I would touch on ghosts for a minute. We're going to mainly focus on angels and demons. But so to give you all some ideas about ghosts is that, number one, we do not believe there is, um, I think it's purgatory, like this limbo place where you, nothing happens. You're just stuck in the world. The Bible does talk about a place of the dead that's waiting for judgment day. And so there's. There's hell, and then there's a place of the dead. The grave has us, and we're all waiting. It's, and the Bible says that they're asleep and waiting for judgment day. And that we see a time in, the, in Scripture, in I believe it's 1 Samuel, where Saul, the first king of Israel, is desperate to try to look for some answers of what to do. And so he goes to a medium or a sorceress who would talk to dead people. It's like a fortune teller nowadays, right? He went to a medium and he said, raise up uh, Samuel from the dead so that I can ask him for advice. And in the Bible, it gives us this imagery of Samuel who was dead at the time coming up as a ghost, as a spiritual person. And he says, who woke me up? Implying that he was asleep. And that's one instance that we see a, a quote-unquote ghost in the Bible. Another time that's alluded of a ghost is when Jesus is walking on the water and the disciples thought he was a ghost. And so there's obviously some perception of ghosts and spirits in the Bible, but it doesn't give these clear descriptions of ghosts. And I believe that the reason why is because it's not useful for us. The Bible says in... In the books of Timothy that, that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is right and wrong, that God uses it to prepare us and equip us for every good work. And so whenever something's not in the Bible, it, sometimes we can conclude that it's not useful for edifying our faith. If you think about ghosts, if you, if you define all this information about ghosts and then at the end of the day you realize that's not useful for your faith, then you just wasted a bunch of time, Right? It's like when you get lost, you ever get lost watching YouTube videos, conspiracies, and at the end of two hours of watching these videos, you're like, see, I knew that was bogus. <laughs> you just wasted two hours of your life looking in the darkness when you could have been just, imagine if you spent two hours looking in the light in the word of God, how much different your edific edification would have been. And so just want to touch on ghosts real quick. The Bible talks about fortune telling and, and mediums and, and things of that nature of being wicked, of trying to trust in the dead rather than trusting in the living God. And so just as a, as a closing on ghosts and all that, it, the Bible does point us saying that it is wrong for us to go to those fortune tellers, to those, those mediums. Those, and, and there's still witch doctors today. So you, you want to go to a witch doctor? 
Anyone? No? All right, because you're not going to find one here. So let's start off with angels. Someone look at your neighbor and say angels. Angels. What are angels? Angels are servant beings that administer God's will. And so today I'm going to give, I'm not going to give you all a lot of scripture. I'm going to just tell you some stuff and you can look it up yourselves. Okay. Cause y'all all have a Bible, whether it's on your phone or at home, y'all can look it up yourselves. I'm going to just tell you what I've learned. All right. Is that cool with everyone? Cause we'd be here a lot longer than our time permits if I were to pull out every scripture. So Angels are servant beings that administer God's will. Every time someone sees an angel in the Bible, they are terrified to the point where they faint. So if you ever hear someone talk about angels of being these pretty little creatures that are just so, oh, and then uh, if you've ever heard a story of someone like, yes, and then uh, this angel sat down next to me and it was just such, such a sweet time and we had tea together. That is either bogus or a demon, okay? <laughs> that angels, every time someone saw an angel in the Bible, it said that they were literally terrified. Even in Revelation, when John, the beloved, who has a complete prophetic understanding of Jesus Christ, there's a moment where an angel was talking to him, and he fell down and started worshiping an angel, even though he knew Jesus as Lord. He knew all the miracles and greatness of God. And yet the angel was so magnificent and terrifying to see that he thought it was God himself. And so every time someone saw an angel, they were terrified. It's a scary thing to see. I don't even think I would want to see an angel, to be honest. I mean, think about how terrifying that must be. Y'all dig what I'm saying? I don't want to faint and fall down randomly across the floor, hit my head. You think God wants that? You to hit your head? <laughs> in the Bible, we see different kinds of angels. We see angels of physics, angels of messengers, angels of territory, angels of protection, of healing, and more. So even when I say angels of physics, we see in Revelation, there's angels that are literally holding back wind and water. There, there's, there's angels that we see in Revelation that are, are guarding the moon and sun. And so the very physics that we see, the Bible alludes that, that it's not just happening by, because God set up this equation, but that even angels are, are causing these things to obey. It's really crazy to think about. It's hard, hard to fathom. And no way am I saying that we don't need physics or science or anything like that. It, it obviously is just an image for us to understand. But we also see angels that are messengers, like the angel that went to Mary and told her what was going to happen to her. We see the angel that went to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, the first Gentile convert in the book of Acts. And, and one thing that we see, even though that angels can be messengers, some theologians believe that angels are not permitted to give the gospel of Jesus Christ to mankind. Because... Here this angel comes to talk with Cornelius and he tells him to go ask for Peter to listen to his message. Why would he do that when he could just tell him right there? <laughs> because God has entrusted mankind with the gospel message. God has entrusted humans with the greatest mission and command of all time, the message of forgiveness. 
So not even angels are able to do some of the stuff that we can do. It's crazy to think about, right? We see angels of territory. In the book of Daniel, this angel comes up to him and says, Daniel, as soon as you start praying, God sent me to come to you to help you. But I was guarding against the, the, the principality, which is a, de- a demon general. I was having to battle him, the de- this demon of Persia, over Persia. And that's why I wasn't able to be here. The Bible shows this glimpse of territories over the earth. That we literally, angels and demons are literally battling for territory as if there's uh, this spiritual war going on. We see angels of protection of healing, and more. And so, one thing that we know about angels is that angels do not have forgiveness. That in the Garden of Eden, God created forgiveness for mankind. And before that point, it did not exist. Now even forgiveness has only been created for mankind. And that leads us into what demons are. Demons are fallen angels that have rebelled against God. Demons are, are fallen angels that have rebelled against God. And the reason why you wonder, what, what do I have to do with angels and demons? Why does the devil hate me? I haven't done nothing special. No one's here... No one here thinks that they're holier than thou. You're just like, I'm barely making it. Why does the devil want to attack me? Well, when we understand that demons and devils don't have forgiveness, the Bible alludes a story where Lucifer means the angel of light. And it gives this glimpse of a story where Lucifer used to lead worship in heaven. And that he began to covet the worship of the angels for himself. And he was so conniving and so manipulative that he convinced one third of the angels of heaven to rebel against God and follow after Lucifer. And Jesus says that he saw this rebellion. He said that he saw the devil fall from heaven like lightning. That's how, that's how fast this rebellion was shot down. And so... It's so crazy that we feel like if anyone should know about the power of God, it should be angels. I mean, we could even understand that that's a losing game. Go against the creator of the universe. Yet the devil convinced the angels and their rebellion was shot down. And so now they're roaming the earth. They've been kicked out of heaven. The other place to go besides heaven is earth. Been kicked out of heaven and they're roaming the earth until judgment day. See, God set up this judgment system. So we're right now here on earth. These these spiritual beings are waiting to carry out their sentence. They're, they're, They're waiting in the jail cell, waiting for the sentence to be carried out. And while they're here, they've... They're trying to get their, their, they know that they cannot attack God. And so if you've ever thought about revenge and you knew that you couldn't take revenge on the person you want to take revenge, how do you hurt that person? By hurting what they care about. And so the devil finds Adam and Eve in the garden 
And he tricks them into sin, thinking now I'm going to bring mankind with me to hell. You really going to send us all to hell? Can't send us all there, right? I'll bring every bit of creation with me. And that's when God gave the sleight of hand to the devil because God is so much smarter than the devil. He creates forgiveness for mankind. Now the devil's really pissed off. (laughs) It's like literally you're playing rock, paper, scissors and the devil thinks he's got you with rock and God's like, nuke. (laughs) Boom. And I was like, oh, so we're just going to make things up. We're going to just make up the rules. Is that it? And God's like, yeah. I'll just make forgiveness. So God makes forgiveness for mankind. So now, the devil's really pissed. So their, their whole goal while they're roaming the earth is not to just be mischievous. They're, they're, demons are not just these kids tagging on the walls and running once you see them. They're trying to bring as many people with them to hell as they can because they know that they have no forgiveness. And they know that the only way they can try to take any revenge against God is by attacking what God cherishes most. And if you think for a second, well, why doesn't God just make forgiveness for angels so that these demons could be forgiven? I'm sure out of the bunch, there's one good demon out there, right? Some even believe like, well, there's a, this, this teaching that, that projects this idea of, well, if we should experience forgiveness, don't, shouldn't we, just like we forgive our enemies, shouldn't we forgive the devil? See, that's a, it sounds almost right, but the reason that it's not right is one, it's, it's not doctrinal. The, the Bible makes it clear that it's okay to hate the devil. <laughs> but think about this for a second. The angels that rebelled against God, that turned into these fallen demons, they lived in a perfect world. No pain, no disease, no hardship. And they chose to not worship their creator. That gave them everything good. Now look at mankind. We live in pain, disease, heartache. Look around. It is a painful place to live in this world. Even if you're a good person, you experience sorrow. No one is exempt from pain. And yet, in the midst of your anguish, you choose to worship God. The devil couldn't even do that. That's why the Bible says that angels literally are in awe of our worship. They can't believe it. Like, man, after all that happened to that guy, he still worships God. Can you believe it? We're we're showing them how to truly worship God. Did you know that you are an example to angels and your worship? That's That's a powerful thing to understand. And so that's why we don't have, that's why the devil and his demons don't have forgiveness. And that's why we don't have to offer them any forgiveness. The devil wants to kill you and destroy you. He wants to take you to the most miserable place in eternity. He wants to take you to hell. That, that is hatred. No one should want any human being to go to hell the way that hell is described. And yet the devil wants to bring you there with him. So don't believe for a second that these, this demonic figure 
is someone that could have a nice side. There isn't. It's just pure evil and wickedness. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And so, every demon's mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. What do they want to do to you? They want to kill you. They want to destroy you. They want to steal your, everything good from you. Demons want to implement fear in your life. Think about what is faith? It's the belief of things that are hoped for. Belief of things that you cannot see. Now think of what fear is. It's a belief of the things that you cannot see. It's the exact same thing. The only difference is one is hoped for, one is, a, is feared of. And so that's why these, these demons have this idea of trying to incite fear to you because fear separates us from our faith. And what, what they also love to do is they love to incite an attention. I know it sounds weird, but demons like attention. You're like, I knew that girl, ex-girlfriend I had was a demon. <laughs> they, they incite attention. Why? From the very beginning, when, when Lucifer, an angel, turned into the devil... Is because he desired worship. What is a worship? It's attention. It's devotion. And so these demons, the devil, they, they incite attention to give, to, to give them this, this false sense of glory, this false sense of worship. And so that's why they incite fear. That's why they try to get your attention. You don't see any angels. You don't ever have a good feeling when you hear a thump in the night. Like, maybe that was an angel to come check up on me. (laughs) No, it's because angels don't need your attention, but the demons do. They like that sense of attention, that sense of false worship. And that idea of implementing fear, demons love to control. See, we're we're going, we talked about angels, we talked about demons. Now we're going to talk about this fight. Someone look at your neighbor and talk about the fight. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, it says, Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. See, the roles and desires of angels and demons are very different. Demons fight for the control of God through God's people. While angels fight for the commands of God and God's people. Angels are waiting to be commanded by you. They're waiting to be commanded by God. While demons are the very contrary. They want to control. Some of you are like, I knew that ex-boyfriend I had was a demon. (laughs) Trying to control everything. (laughs) Demons try to control while angels wait to be commanded. See, we're going to get into some, some, some deeper stuff here. You're going to talk about possession. I'm not talking about drug possession, okay? The idea of demonic possession. Anyone here ever met somebody that they thought, you know what, I could see them being possessed by a demon? <laughs> now, I know this sounds crazy, but can I share with y'all another story? I know I start with two stories. I'm going to share another story. 
when I was in ministry internship in Baton Rouge, I, I hate demons, okay? Just like I shared at the beginning, I felt all that oppression from demons at the beginning. I hate demons. And we did this, this youth retreat, and we did, it was a Pentecostal church, and so they were hardcore, man. They, go, they tell all these kids to come to a retreat, and they have like a good time the first night, and then the second night, it's like, all right, we're going to cast out demons. <laughs> they, they have a whole deliverance session where they have, they have prayer and worship, and they say, look, if you need deliverance from something in your life, why don't you just come up to the altar and we'll pray for you? And the whole intention is to, is to pray over some, some young people. And if they have any demonic spirits, it's going to leave once they pray. And I remember I was, I was up at the altar waiting for some kid to come up for prayer. And I was like, I'm going to beat this demon to death. And I was there ready. I was like, all right, I'm going to pray over some kid. And they said, if you have any, if you have an, uh, this struggle of addiction, Pentecostals believe there's a spirit for everything, okay? They believe there's a, you could be... You could show up late and you have a spirit of disloyalty. <laughs> There's a spirit of bad haircut. I'm telling you, they have spirits for everything. And so they have a whole list of all this stuff. And one of the things was on there is like, if you have this addiction, come pray for deliverance of the spirit of addiction. And so this kid comes up and I'm like, this kid's probably addicted to drugs. He's probably can't even walk out of this room without falling to the floor and shooting up. He's probably so addicted. And I was like, man, I'm going to get this kid good pray over him and he comes up he's crying i was like oh yeah this is gonna be good he's just crying probably like 11 years old i don't know he's just crying i was like man it's probably so messed up i was like what is it son <laughs> what do you need prayer for could barely say the words like, <laughs> video games <laughs> oh my god i nearly turned him away <laughs> That's not an addiction, so I, I have that. <laughs> Come on, man. It's, uh, I already told myself, well, this is going to be a boring night. And, and so I just start praying for this kid. And no lie, he starts shaking <laughs> while I'm praying over I was like, oh, sh- what are you doing? He starts shaking. He falls all the way down on the ground. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> We got a live one. <laughs> Start praying over this kid. See, the devil doesn't care what you're addicted to. He just wants you to be addicted to something. And that was the first demon I ever cast out. And I was like, man, my eyes were open to the spiritual world. They were squinted open before, but then I was like, dang. The second time I experienced a run-in with a, pos- a possession was somebody that I was talking to over the phone. I was... I was praying with this friend of mine and I, I was leading him to Christ over the phone. I said, all right, just look, all you have to do is pray this prayer after me. And this guy was desperate. So I started praying like this. He was repeating the words, but he started making some weird noises over the phone. And I was like, just say the words, man. <laughs> I said, now, now say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And he said, I believe and would stop. And he just wouldn't say the words. And it's like, to ask the, say, fill me with your Holy Spirit. He said, fill me with the ghost. I was like, no. <laughs> and I kept trying, I just kept saying, like, say Jesus. Just say the name of Jesus. And he started grunting. I was like, what the? Are you eating some Takis or something? What's going on? <laughs> and he hung up the phone. 
I called him back. He didn't answer. I called again. I called him like 10 times. And when he finally answered, he said, what? Whoa, chill, dude. <laughs> you all right? He's like, ugh. He's grunting. He's just real upset. I was like, hey, man, I'm going to just start praying. And he said, if you just say the name of Jesus and all of a sudden starts talking like this, you can't have him. No, no, he's mine. I was like, oh, heck no. I'm not doing this right now. I'm not talking to some demon on the phone. I got minutes. <laughs> man, I, and that was a, a moment where I was like, man, I can't believe that the spiritual world is this interactive. And see, the, this idea of, of demons and possession, that's a real thing. And, and I don't have anything to gain out of making this story up. It, this is a real world that we live in with a real spiritual world. And just like I said at the beginning, we believe in eternity of heaven and hell. That implies that we believe in e- eternal beings, spiritual beings. And this interaction that we see back and forth, it's real. And Demons are territorial and they look to capture and control people outside of God's forgiveness. I told you guys just a minute ago that God created forgiveness just for humans. Angels and demons do not have the privilege of God's forgiveness. And when we are outside of that forgiveness, when we're outside of that, that light, Jesus is the light of the world. That's the way he's described in the Bible. If we're outside of the light, that only means that we're in darkness. There's not, there's not other images besides light and darkness that the Bible gives us. So we're either in that forgiveness or we're not. We're either in the light or we're not. And when we're in the light, we, we walk in exposure to God's forgiveness, God's power. When we're not, we are subject to whatever the world has, whatever these demons and devils offer. And it's all it is is that, that desire to control you. And the Bible says that, just like I started this uh, in a second ago, it says that the Bible says that you are a slave to whatever you obey. So you are a slave to either light or darkness. And we choose to be slaves of Christ. We choose to obey the, the, the laws of God. But when we don't, we become slaves of sinfulness. You know, did you know that there is only free will inside of Christianity? There's only free will inside the forgiveness of God. Let me explain why. Because a lot of people, that see, see how crafty the devil is? We think that once you become a Christian, once you put your faith in God, that you lose your free will. That's what we think. But the truth is, when you're not inside that forgiveness of Christ, when you're not a Christian, you have no free will because you can't stop your sinfulness. You cannot not sin. You are a slave to sin in this world. It's only when you put your faith in Jesus that you all of a sudden you get this free will to where you have a choice to no longer do do those things that you don't want to do. And anyone that would argue otherwise, I would just say, well, why don't you stop this sin then? 
Why don't you stop if it's free will? And it's just impossible to do that without having Jesus. There's no reason to without Jesus. There's no, there's no peace to stop sinfulness without Jesus. If you stop sin without Jesus, you'll be miserable. And that's why sin entices us back. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Demons literally cling to you and try to dictate your decisions. It, have you ever thought something and all of a sudden you started like kind of thinking a little bit further into it? Let me, let me just give a, a simple scenario. Now, this might be some mixed ideas here, okay? It might be our, mind, our own minds running wild, but some believe that, it, it, that demons are literally this crafty. You could see your roommate leaves the dishes in the sink. And at first glance, you're like, oh, they didn't do the dishes. But all of a sudden, it turns into they didn't do the dishes because they hate you. <laughs> they didn't do those dishes because they thought you should do them. And have you ever noticed that sometimes those thoughts turn from I to you? See, some people believe that demons are literally trying to whisper into our ears to incite unforgiveness. Why does a demon care if we don't forgive somebody? Because the Bible says we can only be forgiven if we freely forgive. Unforgiveness is the bait of Satan. It entices us. You don't need to forgive him. Look at you. You deserve better. Some believe that far is how demons go. Now look, I'm... I don't know if I believe every single bad thought. I, I don't like giving the devil too much credit. Sometimes I just, when I have a bad thought like that, I'm like, man, I need to work on my heart. <laughs> I think I might just be, I might just be being a jerk right now. <laughs> but when it comes to, there's, there's so many times where people are, are incited to do something that they really don't want to do. And there's, there's real possessions. There's real people that are possessed by demons that aren't doing this like, you know, exorcist stuff. <laughs> That's what exorcists do, right? <laughs> but they are literally indulging in, in such wickedness that they can't even control themselves. Go to one meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and listen to the stories of people that cannot stop. That cannot. If you've ever seen anyone addicted to extreme drugs of heroin or meth, it is something that is possessing them and clinging to them so much greater than what the simple idea of a drug being an addiction. It is, it is a, something that's clinging to you and taking you farther than you would ever go yourself. Amen. It's real. And the last idea about the fight is demons look for any possible door to attach or enter into your life. Media is more than just an influence and can sometimes be an open doors to demonic stuff. I mean, have you ever saw a scary movie? And it's one thing to be afraid, okay? But it's another thing to feel that fear. It's one thing to be surprised in a scary movie, but another thing to where you're going to sleep literally afraid and feeling this emotion of fear. That's another level. And the Bible says that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, 
implying that fear is a spiritual thing. It's not just an emotion, but a spirit. And the Bible says he does not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and, and of love and a sound mind. And see, fear is, it, it grips us. And I, I, look, I've had enough demonic attacks in my life, like I shared at the beginning, to where I don't watch any freaking scary movie anymore. <laughs> I don't like, I, I've had demonic attacks. I don't like being woken up like that, terrified out of my mind. And, and I, there's so many times where I've heard people tell me that they went and saw this scary movie and they were so literally like spiritually moved and like disturbed that they, when they got in the car afterwards, they regretted seeing the movie altogether and that they prayed. I mean, I know that this sounds like far-fetched, but... For some person to feel so disturbed in a movie that they get in the car and pray for whatever they saw to be unseen, that's more than just somebody being foolish. Those are real emotions. Those are real things going on that they can actually feel a difference in their lives. And so it's more than just seeing a movie sometimes. It's real talk. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Now let me... We're going to finish up here with the last point. That's victory. Someone say victory. victory. Look at your neighbor and say victory. victory. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 through 15, it says, Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. There's another place in, in the New Testament where Paul is talking about Abraham, that his seed, that his offspring was referring to Jesus. That it wasn't just an ongoing children. It was one person that, that God was referring to. And here, this is, an, this is a depiction of what right after the devil tricked Eve into eating the forbidden fruit and the devil gets this curse in this analogy of the serpent. And see, look, how, look at what this looks like more than just a snake. Let's look at it. Someone looks at your neighbor and say, let's look prophetically. Yeah, that's a church word. It says, because you have done this, because you have rebelled, disobeyed, you're cursed more than all animals. Domestic and wild. What could that be referring to? Could it be that, that mankind is the wild free will people and domestic are the angels of heaven? You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. All your time alive, you'll now be groveling on the earth instead of the kingdom of heaven. The devil was sent to earth because of his rebellion. Now he's groveling on the earth, trying to do anything he can until his time is up. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between her off, your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. The Bible later in the New Testament alludes that this is the image of the cross. That the offspring that was talked about here is, is the seed of Jesus that was to come. And that the devil biting his heel is, is the punishment on the cross. The crucifixion 
the pain, the torment, the shame, the mockery. And that even though it was a strike against his heel, that all of mankind can feel it, that the, devil, that the devil has his head crushed underneath the feet of Jesus at the cross. And that he's, even though he was able to, to strike up a little bit and incite that, that those two teeth marks, that he's still defeated at the cross. It says in Revelations chapter 1, verse 17 through 18, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, and this is Jesus talking, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. This victory this, that, we, that we're talking about, what it implies is that everything here on earth it matters, yes, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You can have as many ooga-booga moments as you want, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter when we're in Christ. That no matter how much fear you've had before, no matter what conspiracies you believe or don't believe, it doesn't matter because we have victory in Jesus Christ. And all power and authority in the spirit and physical is found in Jesus. Jesus literally surpasses is the connection. He's the open door between the spiritual world and our physical world. To where not only in the Bible do we see these miracles, but these miracles even happen today. There's real people that were prayed for and were healed. There's real people that were possessed by demons and were set free. There's real activity of this kind of stuff. And it's all through the authority and power of Jesus's name. I remember I, I have family members, like I said, I have family members that are real super spiritual. They have all whole bracelets and everything. And whenever they have like a, they hear a demonic thing going on or an ooga booga moment, they're like, man, we need to get the sage. We need to go around the house. We need to do these chants. And I had one time, my, my sister, she, she had some creepy stuff going on. And she was freaked out. Like every night, this like, one situation would happen and it was an anomaly. And it was starting to really terrify her and her daughter. And she had a, a Buddhist friend come and do sage all around the house, but it didn't do anything. She had another friend come, do all these chanting around the house and it didn't do anything. And then she met this Baptist lady at her, at her work. She came over at the house and prayed over the house and she never had a problem again. See, the, there is so much simplicity in Jesus Christ. Because all power and authority is in his name. And as a Christian, when you carry the name of Christ, one, you don't have to be afraid. Two, you have the, the authority to command things to happen. Most of us pray like this. God, please help something good to happen today. And just maybe you could do this, do that. Maybe, please, if it's in your will, and we just, it's like this piddly little prayer that we make. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Everyone's made them. It's like this piddly request. But the Bible tells us to pray like this. He says, every time Jesus had a heal, made a healing happen, he commanded it to be done. When it was the winds and waves, he, said, he didn't say, 
God, can you cause these winds and waves to, to simmer down and maybe within the hour cause it to all just stop? Maybe, perhaps, if it's in your will. He just spoke and said, stop. And said that just at his word, at his command, that would happen. And he tells us that we, that with the spirit of God inside of us, that we'll do even greater works than he has done. So you have all authority and power in the name of Jesus to command a healing to happen, to command a person to be set free. And we have to stop praying like we're these like lower than scum people on the earth and that these everything spiritual is better than us. The Bible, the Bible literally says that in, on Judgment Day that God will use even mankind, that He will use Christians to judge even angels. Think about how audacious that is. I, don't, I could barely judge between whether I can, my kid could have his phone back or not. Let alone judge an angel. Shoot, I don't know what I'm doing. But see, we think so low of ourselves, yet God says, oh, I'm going to use you for greater. To where even the gospel message, he doesn't even trust the angels, but he trusts you. And so you can feel confident with the authority God has given you in Christ Jesus. To where you can command an angel to go deliver a message by whatever means to somebody else. You can, you can command a healing to go out to somebody. You can command a demon to leave somebody. You ever know somebody that it just doesn't make sense of why these bad, specific bad things always happen in their life repeatedly? It might be a demonic oppression that's consistently just attacking this poor individual. And you might be the only person that just prays for that demon to leave and not come back. There's people that I know that I just prayed for them and their life changed dramatically. Not because of my prayer, but because God set them free. And they stopped having the same car breaking down every time they would get it fixed. They, they stopped having this, uh, this bad relative or this bad person that kept abusing him emotionally. They, people are able to be set free by your command, but you, you got to be confident in, in your prayer. But most of the time, we, don't, we pray those piddly prayers because we're not confident in ourselves. It's so hard for us to even get to those commands because we're just praying like, God, forgive me for this. Forgive me for that. Help me to be a better person because I'm so jacked up. How could... And before you know it, you don't even have time to pray for somebody else because you're just so focused on all your insecurities. And so when you have, you, you find that confidence, you find that authority and that power and the confidence you have in Christ. And you, you build that confidence through your devotion, through your purity, through your prayer, even through fasting. To where you can pray and you believe that it's going to happen. Don't you notice that when you feel like you've been doing good, that you feel like your prayers are more powerful? It's not that you've earned better prayers. It's the simple fact that you just feel more confident because you've been walking right with God. It's a simple confidence. Confidence. And we build that confidence through our devotion, through our purity, through our prayers, through our fasting. Don't ask the spiritual world to come. Command it to make a result. That being said, I want us to all bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you're here today and at some point of this message, we're talking about spiritual world, spiritual stuff. Maybe at some point in this message, you saw Jesus 
not only as a spiritual being, but as a, as a physical being that came to the earth, that really died on the cross, and that really rose from the dead. Now, even though he did it all physically, that he made a spiritual transaction on the cross. And if you're here today and you want to make a decision to put your trust in the power of Jesus Christ, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hand. See your hands. So if you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer after me. And if you've already given your life to Christ, I want you to repeat this prayer too as a reaffirmation of your faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I put my trust in you. I believe in you. That you died for me on the cross for my sins and that it was painful, that it was torture, but that you did it for me. I also believe that you rose from the dead, that you proved that you're the son of God and that it was a real transaction. I put my trust in you and to your power and to your forgiveness. I want to change my ways and I want to walk closer to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.